And we're back. And to the left and in beautiful. And, and to the west. And to the west. <laughs> the beautiful South Dakota. Hello. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, so I think so things have changed. I think I mentioned on the last episode we recorded that I was planning to go to Iowa to canvas for Bernie Sanders in the lead up to the caucus. And turns out we're both doing that from South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Electoral politics is still a sucker's game, but yeah, here I am. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've been here, what, just under a week? Uh, yeah, I guess we, we checked in... Midweek. Yeah. And it's a Sunday night now. Yeah. So yeah, a snowstorm forced us off the campaign trail. <laughs> yep. Back to our shitty motel. Mm-hmm. It's, so. not, it's not that shitty. It's, it's, it's all right. The drone in the background is the mini fridge. Yep. So we got a mini fridge. That's something. Yep. So if you like your, if you like your sheets encrusted with blood and who knows what else, we don't know for certain that's blood. Oh, is there? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. So what if it's not blood? What could be better than blood? <laughs> I mean, I don't think. I'm pretty sure it was there when we got there, but it might be the chicken tikka masala sauce that we bought at Walmart. <laughs> Okay. Just, but I don't think um, I'm not that messy an eater. <laughs> I think that was there when we came in. But uh, yeah, fresh new linens. Yeah, fresh new perspective. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we're going to talk about movies like we usually do. But should we give like an overview of our experience canvassing and phone banking so far? Uh, well, do we want to describe the trip up first? What's there to describe? South Bend. Oh yeah. You're right. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so if you want a glimpse of America's future, maybe instead of a boot stamping on a human face forever, just uh, swing through beautiful South Bend, Indiana. If Yeah, if you want a model for, I guess, what Mayor Pete's uh, yeah. governance could look like, holy yeah. shit. Welcome to Mayor Pete's America. Oh, boy. So... I guess the most positive thing I can say is that the blood plasma industry is booming there. Uh, uh, I'd never actually seen one of those before. Oh, really? No, and I'm pretty sure we passed three. Yeah, and and to be clear, <laughs> we we just drove through South Bend to get a look at it for ourselves. We didn't spend a day in South Bend, right? We we drove into the city center and back out of it on our way to Iowa. Yeah, so. we literally passed through. Yeah. So, dear Lord, so at least that reign of terror is over. Right. Um, yeah, any other highlights from the trip out? Not really. Chicago is a beautiful city. Would visit again. Yeah, I mean, probably nice. will on the way home. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, gas station mead is a thing. <laughs> Of West which Virginia I was, only, which evidently. I was unaware, yeah. yeah. There was that uh, Madman's Lighthouse up in the mountains. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. That guy's right. on to an idea. That's that guy, right. That guy knows something. He got a vision, like, from God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're driving uh, west on I-70 uh, through West Virginia, you will find a lighthouse in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. I don't even think there's a river there. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, there is <laughs> But yeah, he's just, I guess, I don't know, waiting for, uh, what, what was half of the comment? Was it Wolf? 
No, Wolf was blown up. Biederman to uh, collide with the East Coast and <laughs> redeem the prophecy, I guess. I have no idea what th that was, but yeah, we might swing by that on the way home. But yeah, canvassing so far, and phone banking for that matter. Yeah, we started with phone banking. We cut yeah. our phone banking. I don't know what your experience was. Mine was, well, I'll say probably the most heartbreaking conversation I had when phone banking was this guy who'd been a former Rainbow Coalition guy and should be on board, but is just so tired and so cynical that uh, I, I worked him for like 20 minutes and just, yeah, he said, he was like, I, I admire what you're doing. I respect it. And I'm, I'm glad that young people are, are still invested in the political system, but I'm just done. I'm, I'm, yeah, he's, he, he's given up. He's just succumbed to hopelessness and despair and cynicism. And, uh, yeah, nothing I could do could budge him. Yeah, it was dark. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For me, the phone banking was, I guess, maybe too much like uh, the old work stuff. So mm. I, I, none of it stuck with me. I made 60 calls, and I don't remember a single one of them, I don't think. Yeah. Nothing's really standing out. But uh, I will say he is going, uh, Sanders, that is, hard in South Carolina. Because I think that's everybody I called on my list. Okay. But yeah, as for door knocking, I'd say we've had two positive, overwhelmingly positive experiences. Uh, we're getting a couple of uh, lean Bernies, but not like committed. And uh, I mean, it's, it's... I think what's-her-name can be talked around to Captain. Hmm? The, uh, the young lady we talked around to assign. We okay, her, yeah, yeah. We got her through all the checkboxes. Yeah, yeah. Bring her um, around. But, I mean, I, I will say, like, we actually, or really you, won, like, genuinely won a new Bernie convert. Oh? By being on the ball with the uh, postal banking plan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Which I honestly didn't know anything about until you mentioned it two days ago. Yeah, it's just one of those rare little curly cues. It's like I said to the guy today, right? I just... I don't know. He, he's 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 the little guy guy, right? He's just there for yeah the little guy, and he's got a bunch of just stupidly simple ideas. To yeah, fix it, to well, fix we met all like, the problems. Yeah, we met today and had a long conversation with a genuinely undecided voter, or you can't even say that, like a, a genuinely apolitical guy who invited us into his home and told us he he had listened to Bernie's Joe Rogan interview, like the cut of his jib, mm -hmm. but didn't know what a caucus is and who can blame him. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't either, but just, you know, gave him the pitch, right? Medicare for all, no more student debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll show up, but I'd like to think we gave him some food for thought. We were ambassadors of the company. Yeah. That was the uh, corporate news speak. Yeah, we were. I think we came off well, which is really all you could ask for. Yeah, well, he, he yeah, I think I, uh, I think I ingratiated him myself early on because he had this, like, uh, he was watching this, like, UFO show that mentioned the USS Nimitz, and I mentioned that I, uh, I had visited the USS Nimitz in San Diego years ago. So mm -hmm. that was something, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's what it is, right? It's, it's most people aren't pouring over analyses of different policies and their economic impacts they're just kind of going with their gut so and speaking of gut follow the truth people 
a giant tic-tac rose out of the sea. <laughs> Pilots saw it. It came up on instruments. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. Giant tic-tac from space. Or from the sea, maybe. From the sea, yeah. The sea. It was an unidentified... <laughs> floating object? So, so, yeah. Unidentified undersea object. Oh, what were the aliens U-U-O. called? What were the aliens called in the abyss? I don't remember. Okay, yeah. It's one of those. But, all right, well, that doesn't seem like a bad segue to turn it back to movies. Fine. Take it away. Unless you've got more to say about canvassing. Uh, there's a lot of real problems here. Uh, I guess we're deep in king country. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Which you wouldn't notice from the ground level. Steve King's congressional district. Yep. I don't know who can do anything about this, but I will bring up the most harrowing story we got, which is that... Uh, I guess there's some local push to move all of uh, the city employees or state employees' pensions to 401ks. Yeah. I'll let you figure out who that helps besides no one. Yeah. Well, that was another just heartbreaking story because, yeah, this lady told us, like, she's a school teacher. Half the people on the block are school teachers. And then you got some firefighters and cops. And they're all, like, you know, pro public education, pro union. I said, oh, great. You're a Bernie voter. Pro pension. Yeah, all of that, right? And it's like, yeah, you, Bernie's your candidate, and they're not going to caucus. Mm-hmm. Just, again, just utterly succumb to despair. They're going to support the Democratic nominee, not that it matters in a deeply red state like Iowa, but they're not going to caucus. It's not that deeply red, but okay. Okay, we'll see. But, yeah, just uh, what are you going to do? Just, yeah, and... At the federal level, nothing matters. Nothing can get done. That was her, that was her perspective. So who cares? Yeah. So just to put my twist on that, it's just yeah. Some people have some very real, very immediate problems that are going to occlude or eclipse whatever their larger federal ambitions might be. So that's just something to keep in mind. People got real shit going on. Yeah. Like real, like immediate problems. So. I'm not saying go out and do what we're doing, but just, yeah, be aware. Because mm-hmm. I guess that the other thing is, like, what? It's the, the Iowa's got a population of 3 million. Mm-hmm. And on a good turnout, 300,000 people show up to caucus. Yeah. Right, so I don't, is that one one-thousandth of a percent? No, it's it's like 10%. That can't be, no. 300,000 into 3 million. Okay, 10%. All right, you're right. It's 10%. Okay. So maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's, it's pretty probably, bad. It's probably this cold. It's just yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty bad when you consider the <clears throat> undue amount of attention that Iowa gets, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that once every four years, every politician in the country descends on this tiny state. Every and pours, reporter and wonk. Yeah, and, and pours everything goofies like they us. can into it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's <clears throat> pretty bad. But... What are you going to do, I guess? I don't know. I guess uh, we'll get our scripts when we hit the phones later this week, and we'll talk shit about Warren, <laughs> as we've been told, <laughs> and uh, go from there. Yeah. So that's like total bullshit, right? That... As best I can tell, it okay. was one posting by one guy who's never posted before in the Slack. Okay. It was immediately removed by a mod. Okay. That's, 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 that's like what actually happened. Yeah. But yeah, like all the scripting that we've been given, uh, some of it which I, I immediately go off of is, <laughs> I like Warren too, but 
you know, or here's why I yeah. like Bernie better. Well, not not even that. Yeah. We've been we've been more or less explicitly discouraged from attacking the other candidates. Oh, we've been explicitly, not even more or less. We've been explicitly yeah. discouraged from talking bad about the other candidates. Yeah. Which has taken every yeah well, fiber of my being, but I yeah like the guy uh, we mentioned earlier that we talked to earlier today was like uh, yeah that Joe Biden he I don't know about him he doesn't seem like he's all there and I'm just kind of like hmm interesting <laughs> tell me more <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes go on with that <laughs> which is classic canvassing 101 mm-hmm. and that, that's universal right. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say if if the Sanders campaign was saying volunteers should go negative, that's that would be a mistake just in terms of a like from a purely functional or functionary frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I mean, if I'm might. coming off slow. It's fucking cold. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we quit early. Uh I think we mentioned, yeah, snow pouring down. So, yeah, we're going to make up for lost time over the course of this coming week, I hope. But, uh, yeah, the cold is kicking our ass, and we're clearly not hardy the way the the native Iowans are. Yeah, I really thought... I saw know, a girl in a skirt coming out of a coffee shop the other day. Yep. In 15-degree weather. I don't know what's going on with these people, but... I guess you get used to it. I mean, I felt like like a real he-man for, like, making shit of Georgians who don't know how to handle snow. <laughs> but this fucking cold, man. Yeah. 23 right now and it's only that warm because it's snowing yeah but we've been looking and apparently at it's and 10 it's and like 12s. 70 degrees back home today in this <sighs> bizarre freak warm <sighs> winter bubble <laughs> on uh, the east coast <sighs> it sucks but i don't know is that is that enough of yeah the, uh, that's enough i thank god we weren't at stalingrad is all i have to say it's warmer in berlin <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I could think of to rally people. <laughs> but, uh, yes, do you want to work backwards or forwards or what? Uh, from what? Well, we we did cats and knives out in the last week or so. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been having fun. It hasn't been all work here. And yeah. Um, team Bernie. Yeah, we can talk about one or both. Uh, I'm here to talk about cats specifically because... <laughs> Mungo Jerry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it is a film that has been unfairly <laughs> demonized by a degenerate culture that does not know true art when it sees it. Yeah, that's fair. It has been, I would say, unjustly maligned. But yeah, I have, okay, so, I haven't felt that much in so brief a time. Yeah, a okay, while. so yeah, so I think we should explain. I saw cats. I think the weekend of its release, whenever that was, about a month ago, mm-hmm. and I was immediately convinced that it is not just the best film of 2019, but quite possibly one of the best films. I will, I will, I will lay this down. I will say it is the second best film of the last decade. Behind and Fury Road. Behind, it's a distant second to Fury Road. Okay, but it is still second. It is, and not in an ironic way, not in a so bad it's good way, or you watch it the way you watch Sharknado Well, it's good for all the same reasons. As? Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, I I think you're right. Let's get into that. But So this was actually my third viewing of Cats, (laughs) and you're first. I'm ready to go back. I am strongly thinking of buying the soundtrack and uh, maybe even the original... uh, 
Is it Weber? Yeah, yeah. The the, the Broadway maybe, soundtrack. And maybe the Broadway soundtrack too. I've listened to some of the recordings from the '98 <clears throat> DVD or VHS or whatever they released. Mm. Uh, inferior. Okay, <laughs> in I my opinion. It. I just remember really liking it as a kid. I guess that was part of it. I felt a bit like a child again. Mm-hmm. Just new and clean and uncorrupted. Yeah, <laughs> uncynical. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think it needs to be remarked upon that this this movie opened against Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, which is just the most utterly cynical, artless, thoughtless, crass trash you can imagine that is yet to be foisted upon us, and not even the worst to come. But in the film's defense, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either, but okay. I, <laughs> look, I've listened to half a dozen hours of various commentaries, reviews, podcasts, picking apart this movie, which was more entertaining to me than actually sitting in the theater subjecting myself to it could possibly have been. And I, I know enough about it. I don't need to see it, and I won't because I'm tired of walking out of a movie theater just feeling hollow and sad and just hopeless i'm tired of that feeling i watched the entire goddamn hobbit trilogy in theaters i watched the force awakens and the last jedi in theaters i'm done with this shit i'll see it i'll wait for it to come on disney plus all right you can fill me in all right i'll let you know but yeah and, and so cats open against this film and honestly like cats exudes sincerity from the screen to the exact same degree that any of the Disney Star Wars movies exude cynicism. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's pure. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say that, uh, well, it exudes like what episode four exudes. Mm. Right? There's like an invitation or a dare to imagine. Yeah. Right? That you're in a bar with a hammerhead alien <laughs> and the devil. <laughs> <laughs> And some sort of walrus guy, yeah, and a fucked up dude who has the death sentence on five systems, yeah, yeah. It's it's more real in its unrealness, I guess. Is it, I don't know where to start. I mean, maybe with the changes, because like, I don't know, like Victoria is not a thing in the musical, right? Okay, so she's a character in the musical, okay, but not real. She's a minor character. I don't think she even has a song. She just comes out and does a little dance and then disappears again. Does Victoria have a song? Um, a uh, yeah, Beautiful Ghosts. Shit, that's right. Okay, cool. Um, which mm-hmm. is a new song that was written for the film. No, it doesn't count. Right, that, that's <laughs> why I don't remember. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, so, so and you can help me out because I haven't actually seen the stage play, but my understanding is that the cats are basically breaking the fourth wall constantly, just addressing the audience. In fact, like I think the songs themselves are mostly addressed to the audience in the stage play. Yeah. I I don't know if this is, if this is going to be a thing that's like known to our audiences, but uh, there's a theatrical tradition called like pandemonium, Mm. which is like uh, using like conventional stories and then like playing winkingly towards the audience mm-hmm. like like during a chase sequence instead of chasing the, each other around the stage they'll chase each other up and down the aisles mm, yeah. or they'll play directly to the audience i guess like uh i don't think this qualifies as pandemonium but anyone who's seen like peter pan mm-hmm. as a play oh clap for tinkerbell exactly yeah. knows like the, that that's like a like a a violent right but nevertheless <laughs> delightful right attempt to uh break the fourth wall 
and and uh, cats. Yeah, it really is like in a lot of ways. This might sound stupid, but in a lot of ways, I guess uh, the audience is really Deuteronomy or or old Deuteronomy. Mm. Right? The, the cats are selling themselves to you. Right. Right. For validation and vindication or to, to figure out which one's going to die and be born renewed. <laughs> right. Born anew, rather. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, 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 it's it's very uh, in your face, for lack of a better word uh, or term, I guess, in this case. It's very aggressively facing you, the viewer. Mm-hmm. And this one, not so much, which makes sense because it's cinema. And it's, yeah, uh, well, I think it's going to do I that. mean, I think this is a really brilliant adaptation of a pre-existing work because yeah it's smart enough to abandon that concept except for once at the very end which we may get to mm-hmm. um and it gives us an audience surrogate in the form of victoria who mm-hmm. the film opens with her being i guess abandoned thrown out of a uh, a moving car in a bag mm-hmm. into the street yeah uh and then her introduction to the world and the culture of the jellical cat clan is ours as well yeah, which works brilliantly, I think. Yeah, I'm, well, there's lots of just really interesting and, and and choices I just couldn't have imagined. So it's like, so it's like a real car, right? Mm. And she's in a a real bag, right? But it does it this really classic like theatrical thing where they they let her work around the bag and sell to the audience she's stuck, right? And then one of the cats, I guess really strongly or enthusiastically pretends to gash open the bag with their claws. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks fake as shit. It's not believable at all. Right. But it's very theatrical. It, it's, right. it's what I would have seen in the musical if they had done that in a musical. And then she erupts from the bag. And, right. And, and we can move on to our next bit. So it's it's very much, I guess, in, th- in three worlds. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, in the, it's in the old musical. It's in the new movie. And uh, I guess it, I, I feel like there's a lot of the book in there too, but th- there's, it's very, <laughs> it makes a lot of brave choices, I guess, <laughs> is, is the, or the only, or, or fearless choices, I guess I would, I would call them in terms of like, like moment to moment, like what it wants to do. Like with the yeah. cats, like floating between dumps, like hopping from dumpster to dumpster. Yeah. So there's like wire work, right? Which is not a thing in the musical. Right. Uh, every cat has a tail, which is not a thing in the musical, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's going for, I'm sure it's not called magical realism, but it's it's like there's something tangible going on there, or mm-hmm. something that like invites or demands to be touched. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's very real, but we'll talk about it. Well, yeah, well, know. maybe we should pause here and say that like, just seeing like the, the visceral almost violent reactions that people are having to the aesthetics of this movie and the appearance of the cats and this digital fur yeah. that they've applied to the actors' faces. I mean, I have to concede that if someone has that criticism of the movie, I can't really argue with it because I just don't experience that body horror in the same way. Whatever is being triggered in everyone else's reptilian hindbrain by the... <laughs> uncanny valley do you think that's the revulsion or is that really that's what people that's what people are saying about it that's what people are claiming is their problem with the film that's like that's what i'm seeing most commonly when people when people talk about it being horrific or nightmarish (laughs) which is the kind of words that are getting thrown around about this movie Mm -hmm. and i just don't see it i mean if anything i find the makeup from the stage play to be much more triggering in that way 
You know, well, each embodies its own peculiar horrors. Uh, yeah, they're both wrong, but I would say that the movie is more interestingly wrong mm-hmm. and more funly wrong. This is going to bug me. So, uh, Monkus Trap, is that our guide? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. All right. I'll circle back to that later. I know what his name is. Okay. But, uh, yeah, do we just want to try and just go through the plot and we can talk about uh, like, what... Yeah, let's do plot in a minute or less like we've been doing so we don't get bogged down. In it a minute. Well, you do it because you've gotten three times, so you know what's important. All right. You want to queue up a stopwatch or Oh yeah, just eyeball it? Or... Oh, it's been a while. You're right. Uh, stopwatch. Go. Okay. Victoria, as we mentioned, is abandoned by her owner. She is thrown into an alleyway immediately surrounded by a clan of... Street cats and some who have owners, but who collectively call themselves the Jellicle Cats. They introduce her to the concept of the Jellicle Ball, which is a yearly ceremony in which one cat is selected to be born into a new life of their choosing. And the, the means of competition is that each cat has to sing a song about themselves and their life. Uh, enter McCavity, the mystery cat, who has a dastardly plan to secure his position uh, to be born into a new life by, one, kidnapping all the other eligible cats, and two, just impressing old Deuteronomy, the cat responsible for making the selection with his deviousness, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we are introduced one by one in song to all the various cats, and in the end, the prize goes to... That's a minute. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm almost done. Yeah. In the end, the prize goes to uh, Grizabella, a uh, former glamour cat who has fallen on hard times uh, and been uh, ostracized by the rest of the Jellicle clan. And thanks to Victoria's compassion for her, she is allowed to return, sing the song of her fall from grace and be given a chance at redemption and also McCavity's evil plans are thwarted. There you go. All right. Minute and 34 seconds. Not bad. Not bad. We'll take it. Uh, yeah. So I guess let's, let's move through that a little bit more tightly. <laughs> so I guess in essence, the first cat she meets is Monkus Trap, right? Right. Well, he's sort uh, of, yeah, he's, he's like the de facto leader and her guide and the audience's guide through the whole mm-hmm. bizarre <laughs> Jellical world. He looks terrible. <laughs> he is easily the worst looking of all of the cats. Okay, I don't. None. I. I none in particular bothers me. Is is looking worse than the other? Really? No. I okay. mean, I not. I wouldn't say like in, individual design or makeup, but like there's a few like particular shots where I guess they fucked up the motion tracking or something because it looks like. The actors' faces are kind of sliding around on top of their They all do look a little bodies. Fo- a lot of them look photoshopped. Yeah, they yeah. all look like bad Twitter photoshops. Yeah, like I'm honestly not I'd like to see some behind the scenes material because I don't think they did like this wasn't like Avatar where they had them all in like motion tracking suits with dots all over their faces. I I think that's uh, I'm not hundred percent sure percent sure what they did. I know this movie is basically unfinished it was it was released in an unfinished state with visual effects shots that were intended to be completed that weren't do you know the story behind that like they ran out of time um, money, i think or? they ran out of time and money i know that hooper has a reputation for um i haven't seen i've seen the king's speech i haven't seen any of his other musicals but i know he has a reputation for playing it like fast and loose with uh 
like production. Like they didn't use, um, what was it on Les Miserables? They didn't use like a metronome or something or like a, I'm I'm fucking up the details on this, but there was, there's like a standard procedure for recording music and vocals to make sure everything is synchronized when you go to to edit the film that he just, it's like, ah, fuck it. That'll interfere with my creative process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he may have had a similar sort of disregard for that kind of forethought when he was producing cats that fucked him in the end. Is the music live? I honestly don't know how I would know. I don't know either. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like Lane Mears, that was like one of the big selling points. Mm-hmm. Is that there'd be no dubbing. They would be, that, that was, what's his name? Hugh Jackman singing and uh, okay. Russell Crowe singing and so on. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was, I would I would almost certainly guess that it's ADR, that they go into a studio after the fact and sing over their own vocals that were recorded on set. But I don't know that for sure. Okay, good enough. So, you know, here we leave off. Yeah, Monkish Trap looks like shit. All right. Uh, Victoria, not looking much better. Okay. But, but I, uh, I want to talk about what looks good and what looks right mm-hmm. later. Uh, just because there are some, some moments where it, it just does not fucking matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Monkish... Well, that's what... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's pause there because, I yeah, like, that's... Whatever criticisms people can lay at the feet of this film for the visual effects, the aesthetics, like I forgot about that almost immediately. And I did feel a little unsettled <laughs> at the opening of the film, right? Not just because, yeah, the, it's the appearance of the cats and uh, the wire work you mentioned. And some of that's also like animated digitally. Um, it's, it's like star Wars prequels level of uh, it's all very unreal motion and like people jumping around in ways that real physical beings can't jump or move. Yeah. And the, the music is just like deeply unsettling, like circus music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was the combination of all those things that made me feel a little like, like a panic attack was coming on my first viewing. <laughs> but eventually like, and, and it's really like when Victoria comes out of the bag, um, and then you can key in on that performance that like from the rest of it, I was, I was bought into the movie wholeheartedly on an emotional level. I was, I was just being carried along with it, feeling everything that the filmmaker intended for me to feel at a given moment. And it's just, and it's the performances, right. Which shine through, I think the makeup as bad as you might think the makeup is like, I, I believed in. Francesca Hayward, who plays Victoria, right? Like, I believed in everything she was purported to be feeling. Mm. Mostly because I was feeling it, too. I was <laughs> it's like, wow, this is all really fucking weird and new. <laughs> and I don't know quite what to make of it. Yeah, because, like, well, the first character I was bought into is, is Monkus Trap. And mm. that's just because I've always liked, I don't know, I guess what you would call it, the embedded tour guide. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the one that knows every corner, <laughs> every dive, every character. And coming up on your left, it's Bustopher Jones. Take a look, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, but well, he's like reverential and does have like some ironic distance from everything, right? Well, uh, that's just McCavity, <laughs> right? Or, right, and 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 he's. I don't know, maybe a little bit too deferential to old Deuteronomy, but then again, it's Dame Judy fucking Dench, right? <laughs> yeah. So I would probably be on one knee and, 
you know, being like towing her and being towed by that right. regal hand at the right. same time. But uh, yeah, he was instantly my my favorite character, and he's pretty good. <clears throat> and then he, I guess, gives us and, and always gives us the score, right? Like, so what is a jellico cat, right? Uh-huh. And it's basically. <laughs> ferals right that have like their own peculiarities no they're not well not necessarily um because some of them have collars some of them have owners and others are strays or street cats or ferals they're like like even the ones with collars are just ones that escaped and didn't bother to lose their collars maybe i don't know i i don't think that that's not the that's not the defining characteristic of a jellico cat is whether or not it has an owner or whether or not it's stray or feral okay because there's a little in the mix a little yeah. rambunctious. Uh, well, well, the song tells us. Non- do, we need to, do we need to go to the lyrics? Because the song explicitly tells us what makes is, a Jellicle cat. Is there a non-Jellicle cat in the movie? Uh, presumably Victoria. Until Okay, the well, she really quickly becomes a Jellicle right. cat. Right, so it's not, yeah, it's not like an exclusive sort of a club. Yeah, my impression I mean, is that like really all cats are Jellicle cats. Or probably could go, or could go jellicle probably well some of the verses i remember off the top of my head are like are you an alumnus of heaven and hell were you mm-hmm. there when the pharaohs commissioned the sphinx yeah i mean yeah it seems like being a jellicle is a, a very nebulous sort of a i get the feeling that you're a jellicle if you believe that you're a jellicle that's pretty much when you're the a only jet. barrier <laughs> when you're a jellicle <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it's <laughs> It's unclear, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I don't know if I even call them a gang, though, because I don't know who's, like, is Growl Tiger a Jellicle? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I think but you're... Uh, okay, is I'm going to give Is it a my... regional distinction? Because well, <laughs> <laughs> I imagine cats aren't coming from around the world, right, to uh, up, up. Up, whatever yeah. the name of the hotel. <laughs> well, maybe old Deuteronomy is just the leader of that particular clan. Okay. Oh, they have like cells? <laughs> <laughs> Jellical cells? <laughs> Celicals? I don't know. I don't okay. I don't want us to get too bogged down in this. <laughs> Fun as it is to speculate about. If it's not clear, these are like the things that, that I love about the movie. Yeah. Or, or, or the musical or the story is that it invites you to inhabit, right? You don't immediately throw it away and stop thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Just like Fury Road. Mm. Yeah. But that's the, and, but the thing is like, I, I think we should circle back to this at the end, but this is my problem with so much of the criticism I'm seeing around this movie is just this uncomfortableness with ambiguity or with imagination itself right like i'm mm-hmm. seeing people saying it's like uh, you see the scale in this movie is all wrong <laughs> because in some shots the cats are dancing on a train track and in other shots the cats are standing on a stairway and they are clearly twice as large <laughs> as when they were standing on the railway track okay yeah yeah i think i've seen that or i could see that yeah and well, yeah, the evil part of my brain said that for like three seconds, and then all that is good and right in my brain just tied that fucker up and <laughs> stashed him in a closet. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We're having a good time. Yes. Yeah, because like when they're dancing on the rail, yeah, they do seem a little small, uh-huh. almost elfin. But yeah, when Mungo Jerry and the rest are on the stairs, it's... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, if it's you're... a little different. Yeah, if you're making those kinds of criticisms... 
this movie isn't for you. I don't know what kind of art is for you. <laughs> Probably none. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what takes you out of it. That's kind of fucked up. But, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, it's it doesn't fucking matter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, what are the, the rules of entry to the Jellicle clan? Stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> are you a Jellicle or not? Well, I mean, I feel like the invitation is like, am I a Jellicle man? Right? <laughs> Like, could I be a Jellicle if I were a cat? <laughs> and I feel like it was well, the thing. It's such a, I, I don't know how, I'm not trying to say anything other than say, it does seem to be a very diverse group. Yeah. Right, in terms of colorings and patterns and. Lifestyles. Person, yeah, lifestyles. I was getting to that too. Class. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure what connects them all. Other. Well, I appreciate like there's a oh. I, I I think yeah. the the connection is mystical, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing I I just love about this movie is that I'm a real sucker for fictional religions. Like that kind of world building just appeals to me at a really fundamental level. I think because I mean actual real world religions are just as opaque and as mystifying to me as anything any author or writer or composer could come up with mm-hmm. right like yeah like this is as fascinating to me looking in from the outside as is christianity or islam or judaism and by the way uh the the opening song about jellicle cats does mention rabbinical cats <laughs> as okay. a specific subset of jellicles and i looked okay. it up thinking maybe that it has some sort of colloquial thing about like it connotes gravitas or wisdom or something it's like no it's pertaining specifically to uh jewish clerics okay so there are some there are some jewish jellicles out there okay. apparently yeah because that's part of it is like clearly it's not for everybody mm-hmm. but the jellicle clan seems to be like they'll take anybody, <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it, it's for everyone, and by its very being for everyone, it's obviously not for everyone. Yeah, that's, well, yeah. it's like I gather it's it's like a mystical thing. It's yeah. like the the brotherhood of Christ or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like and yeah, and this and there's this whole like like all the songs pertaining to the Jellical Ball and the Jellical Choice and Rebirth uh, via the Heavy Side Layer. Mm-hmm. The songs are sung like like ch- chants or mantras that all the cats sort of implicitly know the word the words to yeah like and, and it suggests like they're not even they haven't even been taught these things these are just this is just some sort of innate knowledge that they possess yeah and like the dance numbers too where um there's like a whole uh when the jellico ball begins right there's like a whole extended dance sequence yeah it's, where, the thing. it's like it's obviously a contest but none of them seem really dickish about it except for <laughs> right Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, well, yeah, but it's not even it, it's a it's a ritual more than it is a contest, right? It's mm. a it's a religious spiritual experience, right? And it's it's evocative of like the way the film portrays it, it's evocative of like those uh those like revival things like Benny Hinn or whatever where you see people like just collapsing in states of something, religious ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Right? But, that's why it's fascinating to me is because I can't imagine what's going on in these people's heads. Right. But I'm intrigued by it. I would like to understand, even though it's going to be like, there's going to be a fundamental separation 
that I'll never like I'll never experience that for myself. But I'm fascinated to watch some some component of the human experience that just, you know, I can't access it directly, but I can at least bear witness to it and contemplate. Right. And it's it's fun in a in a same way that like watching something bizarre and alien like that, like the Jellicle Ball is fun or <laughs> or the 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 war boys and the cult of V8, right? Like that's yeah. bizarre and alien and fun in the same way. Yeah. And the alien itself, like the Xenomorph <laughs> is, is fun in the same way. I admire its purity is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Purity is spirit in some cases. <laughs> so Monkus Trumpus, what's his name? <laughs> Monkus Strap. Monkus Strap. <laughs> or Monkey Strap. I mean, he never says it out loud. Monkus Trap uh, is taking Victoria through the rounds. And I guess, uh, I, well, the first thing he does is like he, t- he talks about like after, were you there with Pharaoh and all that other mm. stuff? It's like a jellicle cat has three names. Right. Uh, that, my first instinct is to say your first name is your slave name, <laughs> but it's a little bit more sophisticated than that. But that, there's a, there's a, the name that like your owner calls you. Right. And then there's the name your friends call you. Yeah. Well, it's the same speed. Well, like Peter Ustinov did it in uh, Logan's Run. It's the same. It's the same poem. Oh, yeah. It's uh, the okay. name on the, the naming of cats. It's uh, yeah, your common name or slave name, as you put it. Right. Your fancy name, fancy name, <laughs> and then your secret name. Yeah, and this and this is probably the moment where you're going to figure out Ricky Tick if you're on board with cats. Mm. Because, like, the moment Victoria can even, like, conceive of a secret name, she does, like, this silent act of conjuring. Right. Right. Like, through entirely through ballet or interpretive yeah, it's, dance. Exactly. It's and, great. Yeah. And it's, it's exquisite and beautiful and, and tangible and inviting and stimulating. And it, it's, 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 it's everything. And, 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 and it should read that way because... For a moment, she is you know, like channeling the divine. Right? right. She is reaching into the universe and pulling out the answer, and it, it's it's perfect because yeah, you can tell purely through dance and those big brown wet eyes of hers that that she has learned her name. Right. She is she is more and at the same time all that she ever was. Right. And we don't learn her exactly. secret name. That's the best because part. It's her motherfucking secret yeah, name. Yeah, we right? don't and none of the other cats do. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, it's yeah. never spoken about again. Mm-hmm. There's not a single word about it mentioned again. It's a, mm-hmm. it's entirely visual. Yeah, but it's a woman. And it's just, fantastic. Yeah, it, it's pure magic. It's a woman nude in the in the moonlight. <laughs> Right, it's it's witchcraft. It's everything that you were taught to fear. You're still <laughs> fascinated by it, but yeah. And, and Monkus Trap looks at it and is like, "Well, that's all sorted. Great, yeah. let's move on." Yeah. Right. And because like from there, like it's like, okay, well, it it clearly can't be that simple, right? The Jellicle <laughs> Ball and the Jellicle Choice and all that kind of stuff. And so we go to our first example, which is Jenny Any Dots. Yeah. And that's and that's her fun name, right? That's like her her middle name or her second name. I assume that most of the cat names we hear are the fancy names. Fancy names, okay. So <laughs> because Jen- they're they're pretty weird names. Yeah. So Let's- Jenny Any Dots is uh, that's her fancy name. And oh, am I too close? Uh, it's levels look a little high, but we'll sort it out in post. <laughs> a little high, just like Tom Hooper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so we meet our first cat, and I don't know if I'm going to do every cat because not every cat is super exciting, and some, frankly. 
I don't think got what they deserved <laughs> in this particular rendition. Yeah. But we meet Jenny Annie Das, who's just a just giant fat ginger. Yeah. Utterly useless to everyone yeah. and all around her. She's, uh, I realized this uh, after the third viewing. Okay. She's the cat from like the 1900s political cartoons. <laughs> she's like the cat that represents capitalism. Okay. All right. Speak on that. Well, because her whole deal is, uh, I think the lyric in in fact is, she sits and sits and sits and sits. So she's a fat cat. All day long. She's literally yeah. a fat cat. Uh, but then at night, she comes out and organizes the mice and the cockroaches into her labor force, whom she uh-huh. is also uh, picking off one by one at her leisure and devouring them. That was a delightful note in <laughs> yes. that song number or dance number or in that number. Yeah. Yeah, Jenny Annie Dots represents capitalism and its depredations and cruelties yeah, and horrors. Part of it is that, yeah, she's she is a quintessential or superlative mouser. Mm-hmm. And I guess along with that, a roacher or whatever. Right. But, yeah, in, in pure capitalist fashion, she resents... The uh, the idleness <laughs> yeah. of the mice and the cockroaches. Well, yeah, she thinks they need employment to save them from wanton destroyment, I think is the line. Yeah, and even in this case, the employment is purely for her amusement. Right. Right. They, they produce nothing. All they do right. is entertain her. I think right. The mice are in a band and the cockroaches uh, march in pleasing patterns or yeah. whatever. And at this point, that's part of the reach down, I guess, in terms of like the hierarchy of the animals in the jellicle world. But like, right. these are creatures with like faces and clearly with personalities right. and their own desires and appetites and dreams and ambitions. Right. And their lives are just snaff- snuffed out, <laughs> just snatched up by Jenny, like at, at any given moment, right? Not because they're good or because they're bad, but simply because it pleases her. Right. And that's that's my kind of horror. <laughs> I mean, that, it's a perfect, you know, just contra note to this otherwise very funny, very silly song about a useless fat cat. Yeah, that is nevertheless eh, still kind of lovable because at the end of the day, she's still a fucking cat. <laughs> right. But yeah. Perfectly executed by the Rebel Wilson. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I will say that's my least favorite part of the movie, but that's not a. Well, I, I think that those little soupçons of. Uh, Extreme violence I found very appealing <laughs> yes. or entertaining. But yeah, it, it, we do not open strong with our first uh, Jellicle song. No. But okay. fortunately, we get uh, right afterwards, we get uh, the Rum Tum Tugger, mm-hmm. which is uh, not my favorite or second favorite, but I'd say it's a strong... It's one of my favorites from the 1998 release. Okay. but I And was... this orchestration of it is pretty different from that one. Well, really, all of them are because they really do like just chop and screw these in order to, like to tell a story. Yeah. Because again, it, before it's almost like opera, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, I don't know what you call it. There's, there's no dialogue. It's mm-hmm. just you know, I'm Rum Tug Tugger. I'm a curious guy. <laughs> I'm a curious beast, and yeah. so on and so forth. But yeah, in terms of the overall project, it fits. Uh, yeah, most of it's fine. I, 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 that was certainly. A recognizable rendition mm-hmm. uh, or charcoal rubbing of, uh, of Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, and I guess at this point, I mean, that's well, it's, yeah, it's not a bad song, but I guess for me, he's just one of the least interesting cats. Okay, now it's, for, for the longest time, Rum Tun Tugger was Bonnie, mm-hmm. one of my old cats. Okay, just, yeah, inconsolable. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think too, like, yeah. it it helps a lot to like this movie if you like cats, the animals. <laughs> you know, like you're a cat owner. I I had a cat when I was a kid. We're both cat people, right? Like, see these eyes so green. You're right, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like if if you find something appealing about the characteristics of a cat, you find it all reflected in the lyrics of these songs, which started out as a whimsical book of poetry for children about cats, right? Mm. And they're 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 goofy and they're childish, but they're all you know true in their various ways. It's like you. You see the personality of every Jellicle cat reflected in your house cat. Right. If you have one and if you appreciate those qualities. Broke. Cats is really about people. Woke. Cats is about cats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we do Rum Tum Tugger. And at this point, I think you get – because I really think that, like, Jenny Annie Dots has got to be one of the more f- forgettable songs. Of, yeah. Like, the cats – yeah. <clears throat> Me. Yeah. But yeah, so this one opens big and brassy, and it's fun and sufficient to task. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I think you get th- your first taste of uh, maybe not subversion, but at this point, you get the impression that Hooper's going to have a little bit of fun mm-hmm. with the uh, original canon, because things are broken <laughs> up, and we add, I don't know, other characters singing verses. We're going to break for a little bit of action and mm-hmm. show you some stuff that you can only get in the movie, like the raid on the milk bar, <laughs> which uh, just prior to this, we did some research on, and it's not just a thing from Clockwork Orange. No. Okay, go on. Uh, I guess, yeah, milk bars were a thing in 1930s England where this movie takes place, and they were promoted by the temperance movement as an alternative to pubs okay. for being of a superior... Virtue, I guess. Well, that's uh, quadruply ironic, thinking about the Clockwork Orange. Yes. But... Uh, well, I have to imagine that's what was being riffed on. Yeah. They're, they're drinking, yeah. like, drug-laced milk in the uh, in Clockwork Orange. Well, right? yeah, well, that's part of it. Just I'm just not that British. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I imagine if I was a little bit more, I would have gotten the joke. Yeah. yeah that's, everything is made better by cats. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if we haven't been perfectly or painfully clear, this is a a period piece in addition to any number of other things. Yeah. Uh we are in the era of jolly old England. This is uh was Victoria still queen in the thirties? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, it had to be Edward, right? With the guy with one lung. Anyway. Yeah. Well well no, well because uh, a number of the songs mention Victorian times as it's hearkening back to a more pure as a past yeah past okay yeah i'm with you but yeah it's a period so it's the 30s uh so the the cars maybe the car is old Mm -hmm. so yeah all that aesthetic is very is is very there too uh yeah a lot of the houses kind of look like like lady in the tramp like kind of old Mm -hmm. very opulent for lack of a better word yeah rich in that way uh, so have we done enough on the Curious Beast? I think so. There's not okay. a lot to say about him. The it's song, good. The song says he's a terrible bore. It's right there. It's like, I don't know if he's a bore. <laughs> I 
Well, if he's a boar, he's a crashing boar. It's just, it's a, he's a spectacular boar. Sure. But okay. I'm sorry. Compared to all the other cats, <laughs> yeah, Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. I will say that's what's really impressive mm-hmm. is that each cat does seem to come in a sequence where each cat appears far superior than the cat <laughs> that came before it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. And then when we finally get like to the last act. It really is just a bunch of champion cats. <laughs> yeah. I am not trying to diminish the work or Derulo or Rum Tum Tugger, but you get a perfectly adequate Rum Tum Tugger. Right. And yeah, well, so I've, Rum Tum Tugger is a perfectly exceptional cat. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. not complaining. Yeah. I'm just there's so many better cats in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Th- 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 these are all A-tier cats, but <laughs> we're going to get to the S-tier as fast as we can. <laughs> So, yeah, so who's the next cat? Buster for Jones. No shit, that's yeah. right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will say whatever his name is. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, taxi Cab Karaoke or whatever the fuck it is he does? Yeah, James Corden. James Corden. Uh, I never would have thought in a million years to cast him as Buster for Jones. And quite frankly, I had forgotten Buster for Jones as a cat. Yeah. But I would say this is the moment where the where the... The film really does like kick into high gear. <laughs> like this is like this is where you get well, everything think... is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, every trash can is open to you. <laughs> it's it, it. This is where like this is cats. It's like this, yeah, or this is what the movie was meant. This really feels like what the movie's been trying to do. Well, I think, uh... what, but they always wanted to do. It almost feels like this is like like what you would work backwards from. Right, like if, like if you were going to try and say, okay, we got to get this down to one song. Yeah. We don't want to go too hard or too <laughs> ambitious, right? So we're going to do something pretty basic. Yeah. Right. This is like the demo reel. Right. This is this is like the mixtape, <laughs> like recorded in prison. Right. And this is this is everything. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Better well, than perfect. But yeah, Corden. I don't. I don't. Not my first choice, but a Hollywood big name. But yeah, I mean, Buster for Jones feels like the EP. Right, get ready for the real <laughs> album. Right, it's all the singles. Okay. Yeah, well, Court, I don't have any. I don't know. I, I've never really watched the show. I'm only like got like secondhand information about him. Yeah, his, I only know about him when I hear like an actor I like is there singing a song with him or something. Mm-hmm. And I usually learn not to let that actor anymore. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I mean. Yeah, I think it's. I think he does a fine job as Buster Jones. <laughs> I guess. I, I think the the original conception of the character is a little bit different in that he's meant to be older. Well, I got the impression he or, was pretty old. Okay. Or at least like well, James old. Corden is not. No, but I think with the long white mustache, I think that he okay. is uh, meant to be at least as old as the bad guy from Ratatouille. I don't know who you're talking about. The the, the food critic. Okay. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I feel like he's supposed to be like, uh, oh, that's going to drive me nuts. I should know that actor like by heart. Uh, it's not Troy. Uh, I don't know if he was in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, well. Let's keep talking about Buster for Jones. <laughs> I'll find it later. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I don't know. Like in the, uh, I, I get the impression that he's on the younger side of middle age. Like like James Corden is, okay. uh, but in the uh, the original conception of the character, I'm pretty sure is well. well there's a, there's a line, for example, where he says, "I'm still in my prime." I'm pretty sure that was intended to be ironic, mm-hmm. right? Like you could look at Peter James O'Toole. Corden. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you could look at uh, 
James Corden's Bustaver Jones and assume actually he probably really still is in his prime. Mm-hmm. Not to get sidetracked with that, but I think the more interesting change they made to the character is the addition of subtext, which as far as I know is not present in the stage play, where in the... St- oh, what? oh, I see. So like in the original, the implication is that Bustaver is getting his food from the front door? That's what I gather, just having watched the song okay. from that yeah, 98 that's right. version. Okay, yeah, all right, um, all right, all right. Yeah, because the song is about how he's like big and fat and he just loves being a glutton and eating at all the finest pubs and clubs in London and, and dining. Yeah, right. exactly. Dining on the finest foods he can mm-hmm. find. Uh, but in the movie, he's singing all these things while rooting through garbage cans in an alleyway. Yeah. and Which adds like great, you know, comedic irony to the whole thing. And I, I don't I suppose. I mean, at the same point, you know. A discarded lamb shank is nevertheless a lamb shank to a cat, right? <laughs> like that's the thing. Well, it, it adds an additional level of like of flavor and right. spice and and character. Like I never got the impression he was not a gourmet, right? That he right. was like cruising the finest trash cans in all of London, right? <laughs> and yeah, well, that's probably too dark. But anyway, uh, you know, yeah. But like for a cat, you know, <laughs> there probably is like you know. A hierarchy of trash, right? Yeah. And he's, yeah, he certainly wasn't getting skinny, right? Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful extra detail to add. Yeah. And that's why I say it's such a great adaptation of a pre existing work because it, it has these little flourishes mm-hmm. that elevate it or at least differentiate it from what came before. Right, and th- and it's an adaptation of an adaptation, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's adaptations all the way down. Yeah, right? and yeah, just what should we move on? Uh, there's a fat joke that could have gone really terribly, but I don't know. I thought it was fine. Maybe uh, the low point of the uh, yeah, of the show, I could but have, nevertheless, I was amused. I could have done without it, where they, yeah, they like try to launch him on a seesaw. And yeah, he's you know, too I'm heavy. very sensitive about yeah. my weight. <laughs> I could have done without that. Um, I think at least like three times in this movie, characters fair, get this... hit in the groin, which I could have also done without. Yeah, also doing a Bustafer Jones number. Uh, but yeah, I guess. I think I appreciated it in a sense that it was kind of like a it, – it felt like this is the closest it could get to, like, breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. was to, like, you know, throw some character off his step. Yeah. And let him st- – and have to interrupt his song. Yeah. In order to well, it's a little – Address the droogs in their room. Yeah. <laughs> letting him down. It's like a little wink to yeah. the audience that this is all just fundamentally ridiculous. What is that? But it's just that it's theater. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, I still didn't. I, I, I feel like I didn't need to be taken out of it in that way, and mm-hmm. I would rather have not been. Yeah, the nut jokes definitely take it further out. Yeah, right. so it's it's not a perfect film, but it, it is a great oh, film. Please, it's better than perfect. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so after Buster for Junes, who do we have? Uh, let's see. Who is this does our come first next? introduction to Grisbella, the cat we don't talk about? No. Because she haunts the show, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um... She's, she's, yeah, we, we get an introduction to her somewhere around here. I'm, I'm not 100% clear on the timeline. Oh, well, well, we have to, I think, because... It's between, you're, you're, it's between Rum Tum Tugger and Bustopher Jones. We see Grizabella and we learn about her background. Okay. 
Because at this point, we also learned that McCavity's been snatching up the cats. Right. Because I think he's already grabbed Jenny. He definitely snatches up Rum Tum Tugger at the end of his song. No, he doesn't. Oh, you're right. That's right. No, he but gets, he gets he Jenny get, and uh, Bustopher Jones. That's the order, yeah, because yeah. he tricks him into jumping into a trash can. It's actually a portal <laughs> to, to a wharf somewhere <laughs> yeah. in the Thames or the Thames. or <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and it's, well, there's another fourth wall break there. It's like you can't rhyme Thames with that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so then Bustopher gets pinched, and um, then we're on to... Uh, well, Grizabella, yeah, we learn about... Um, her background, her fall from grace, but that's really just setting the scene for later because she doesn't come come into the film in a big way until much later. Yeah, but they uh, do a lot of, but they have fun with it, right? Because mm-hmm. she's the big number, right? Or yeah, the one memory, remembers. the one, yeah. yeah, the one that's been covered a million times by all these famous singers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, next up is uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Mungo Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Which would, uh, if not for the magical Mr. Mistopheles, which we'll get to, this would be my pick for best musical number in the film. Okay. It's really, really fucking good. Yeah. I am deeply impressed that I felt like I'd seen these two cats, the two actors before in something anywhere, or or had been seeing them all my life. But my understanding is both of them are just professional... just is the wrong word yeah here. i was gonna but both of them are professional dancers by trade yeah so i have never seen them work before but these two yeah. were made for most the screen. of the, well most of the cast is aside from victoria's the big, a dancer yeah monk is trumpus <laughs> <laughs> yeah victoria is, the yeah. protagonist monk is strap yeah. Uh, Skimble Shanks, whom we'll get to. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like even Derulo isn't an actor; he's a musician. Also. Right. It's it's, but it, it's impressive just like how much overlap there is, or just yeah. what there appears to be just like a just a, a great ocean of talent. Yeah. under our feet. Well, but <laughs> so. and I, well, I think the other familiarity that you're picking up on is just the 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 characters are sort of like archetypal, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, it's, uh, I mean, honestly, like the vibe I got more than anything was the, uh, the Moon Knights from (laughs) Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And now we burgle. Right. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, but I feel like I've been seeing them all my lives. But yeah, you're right, the Moon Knights. Like their little, their musical number tells a little story all in itself, which is great. And it's about them trying to corrupt Victoria, but in just the pettiest way imaginable. Well, yeah, well, it, it reminds of like Lady smoke the... while you are doing so. Yes. It reminds again of like Lady and the Tramp, right? Oh, that they're too. Like, they're like yeah. the Siamese cats. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's a... causing terrorism. Yeah, it's a trope, right? Yeah. And it's something you recognize yeah. if you're a cat owner too. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but they're amazing. Right? Yeah. And I, I love their utter contempt for humanity, <laughs> yeah. right? That they just go from house to house. And yeah. Just, and, and they're like legendary creatures. Yeah. They're like Chupacabra <laughs> yes. or Bigfoot, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the, yeah, the prime rib roast is, go, is gone. Right. Messieurs, was it Mungo Jerry and Rumpo Teaser? Right. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 it's 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 an amazing musical number, and there's some fun shit with the scale. And that I've other seen people bitch about. Yeah, and I've seen people complaining. Uh, like I went and looked up the 
the 98 uh, stage play, which is a completely different orchestration mm-hmm. of the song. And I see a lot of people who are fans of that complaining about the fact that they changed it, although this is evidently the song from the original opening of Cats. I do not remember anything other than the names Mungo Jerry yeah. and Rumble Teaser. And this version will be version prime for the rest of my life. Because well, as far yeah, because yeah. adding just that that Cockney, you know, artful dodger kind of uh, yeah. Well, there's you know, the yeah the performances, yeah. but the song itself, it's like this uh, like jazzy like big band brassy sort of orchestration. Give you that, sure. Yeah, which is perfect, right? It's very noir. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's just it's a story about just two dick ass thieves, <laughs> yes. and yeah, and they're only stealing from rich people, so I really couldn't give a shit, right? Uh, but yeah, it's a little bit dickish or churlish that they jammed up Victoria, but yeah, but but it's 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 very like Disney in that way, where she's just delighting in the pearls, and, yeah. Right, <laughs> just all these spoils, filthy lucre that you know. <laughs> That's all hers. <laughs> but yeah, that, that yeah, that's the thing. Each one is just a steady crescendo. And I guess this might be premature. Mm-hmm. But I just, I cannot imagine from Buster for Jones to Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser why any of these cats would want a better life <laughs> or why they, why they would not choose for themselves the life that they have now. Right. And we may want to delve into that a little bit later. I have a theory that I want to save. Okay. Uh, Hold off on that. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like all three of them are having a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Victoria narrowly escapes. Yeah. She's rescued by uh, Mr. Mistopheles. That's right. Whom we'll get to. Our bumbling oafish. Yeah. A little bit goofy. Yeah. He's perfect. Failed magician. Yeah. But we'll we'll save him. Failing magician. Yeah. He's not failed. No one's failed. We'll save him for uh, in the world later. of cats. No one has failed, right? <laughs> um, and then it's uh, the arrival of old Deuteronomy, Dame Judy Dench. Yeah, Dame and a half. Yeah, she and she is the first of the uh, best looking cats in the show. You you talking about the visual effects? The visual effects. Yeah, I don't know if it's computers or makeup. It looks like makeup. But it just I just want to reach in with both hands and grab those cheeks and just scratch. Oh, my God. Yeah, she looks amazing. And she still looks like Judy Dench, right? Yeah. It's it's all there. And it's just, it's it's hyper real and inviting. Well, yeah, it's just inviting. You just want to reach into those long shanks of hair, fur, I guess, and just... She looks amazing. Yeah, um... Doesn't look a day over seven. <laughs> and there's probably not much to say about her character. She's the oldest and wisest and most respected cat. She's and apparently the most mysterious. She's apparently been reincarnated. Maybe that's why she gets to make the jellical choice is because she's been to the heavy side layer and come back. Fair. Okay. I think part. Yeah, the song says she's. No one knows quite how many lives she's lived. Some say ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's definitely the most put together because I know. You push back on the idea of ferals, because she does look maintained. Mm-hmm. But uh, she actually has a cat bed that she sits in, like her throne. Yeah, but that bed could just be there at the hotel. Okay, sure. All right, <laughs> All right fine, fine, fine. Uh, next up is uh, the new addition to the film, "Beautiful Ghosts," which is—it's a fine song. It's, it feels distinct musically from the rest of the score, I guess, for that reason. Um, it feels very much like a Disney princess song. 
Yeah. Um, but it's a fine, well, it, it's almost a necessary addition if you're going to have a protagonist and an audience surrogate. Because that's really the story, right? Is like Victoria's function is to be, you know, the vehicle for Grizabella's redemption, right? Like the 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 vector of compassion, right? That 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 allows her re-entry into the Jellical world. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would hate to belabor a point, but yeah, she inhabits that space in excellent top-tier stories, the ones that like stick with you and haunt you, where someone is brought into reinforce and validate the the current order Mm -hmm. but also to redeem it by doing something just a little bit new right right it's and i hope we get to this a little bit later but it's kind of like what avatar fumbled at Mm. but but was still successful and moving but this is just done with so much more grace and aplomb and yeah, one hundred percent. And the conf- and and the confidence that doesn't come from being James Cameron, but just the confidence that comes from having, I don't know, all the components and gears spinning and mm-hmm. all of your just your wheels or just everything's going just exactly right. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't remember a word, or a measure, of beautiful ghosts. So jog my memory. Uh I can read the lyrics if you like. You could. I don't. Do we need to? No, I, 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 I guess mean, that's my critique. This I do not remember, but there are things with Victoria's character that I will remember for the rest of my days. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like I think we've already articulated its value to the story and, and the purpose it serves. It's about her it's utility. It's a, it's about her, thanks to her, maybe just naivete, right, or her 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 lack of indoctrination into the hierarchy of the Jellicles that she's willing to view Grizabella with a compassionate heart in the way that none of the rest of them are. That's what the song is about. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And it likens her to, it likens it to her own experience of abandonment. Right. Sure. Like that's what it is. It's a song about empathy. We're right? not so different. You and I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's moving in its own way and it's, um, mm-hmm. but it's not, I wouldn't say it's a standout number. Okay. It's all, it's almost, uh, it's hard to imagine the story as it's being told with Victoria and with that character fulfilling the role she's fulfilling. Like she has to have a song and it has to be this song, right? Like it couldn't not exist in the film. I follow. Okay. Uh, well then help me out here. Uh, is this uh, like how many Grizz Bella numbers have we had here? Because she gets like, just a little taste, right? She, 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 she uh, teases us along. Yeah, well, we get sort right? of, yeah, we get memory okay. here, and then, like, the big, the song memory that people know from the end is, like, the reprise of memory. Mm-hmm. And but we've gotten, like, two tastes. Exactly, okay. yeah. Okay. Two, okay. Yeah. No, I don't and, want to diminish what she's doing. Yeah, Grizabella sings memory, and then Beautiful Ghost is a response from Victoria to uh, memory. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's part of it. Is that the, the, a lot of like these chops and cuts and re-edits that Hooper's doing really do, I don't know, just jumble things around in really exciting ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah, I never really noticed that. I really because like the part of the pattern is that often enough they will move one lyric from one character's voice to another, mm-hmm. but put like a little bit of like ironic stank on it. <laughs> and okay, so I know Beautiful Ghost then because I thought Beautiful yeah. Ghost was just. 
her well, the one, uh, saying well, one of the part of one of the Bella's best example bit. one of the best examples of that that thing you you just mentioned where they they put lyrics into different characters uh mouths mm-hmm. is in uh rum tum tugger actually where it's the line we talked about the rum tum tugger is a terrible bore okay i don't think that's this the case in the stage play but in the movie that's given to mr mistopheles okay who you you can tell sort of early on and they they, they, they do thread this really nicely through the whole narrative right is that he's like, Extremely horned, he's, Victoria. Exactly. <laughs> Who yeah. Be? So he's the one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So maybe Mistopheles is. And my, during the uh, and during the rum, my character <laughs> and <laughs> the incel cat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't a that wasn't directed at you. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, nice. <laughs> but no, yeah, he's my entrance into this yeah. uh, world. I know things. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like everybody thinks. Like dumb. <laughs> yeah, but no, in the in the so in Rum Tum Tugger, like. Uh, yeah. Victoria, along with all the other uh, lady cats, is mm. extremely into the Rum Tum Tugger. Oh, I see the difference. Because, yeah, most of like the criticisms of Rum Tum Tugger come from women in, uh, in the 1998 recording. Right. Because like, so, he's, he's just too alpha. Yeah, right? but, but in the movie, <laughs> okay. um, after uh, the, the yeah. first verse is uh, Rum Tum Tugger's a curious cat, and mm. then the second verse is the Rum Tum Tugger's a terrible boar. And in the movie, yes. And in, it's not a curious beast? Uh, terrible. Uh, terrible I don't know beast? which oh, comes okay. second or third, but they're, they're all in all there. Right. All right. Um, but the line, Rum Tum Tugger's a terrible boar, is sung by Mr. Mistopheles, who's mm. sort of pathetically holding up a deck of cards while Victoria <laughs> walks right past him while, without acknowledging his presence. Yeah, that's pretty great. Okay, I'm with it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm. Yeah, all yeah right. it's a great little character note, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that gets paid off in the third act of the film. Okay, but uh, yeah, next up is Gus, the theater cat. Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, Sir Motherfucking Ian McKellen has. That's the thing. Is like there is a desire within me to like to have seen like what he was working with, because mm-hmm. the legend and lore behind uh, the Hobbit is that uh, Sir Ian motherfucking McKellen was, like, reduced to tears Mm -hmm. in terms of the circumstances in which he had to work with Peter Jackson in terms of, like, just green screens and green creatures and look at this tennis ball and all this other kind of shit. And and he is in a a realm or a world of just utter fantasy, Mm -hmm. right? And he's made up... uh, in makeup that is as convincing and, and persuasive and inviting and comforting and delightful and enjoyable as uh, as Dench's Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very different in that Dench looks much more cat-like. Yeah. And I would say, and I hope this is clear through the mic, uh, McKellen looks much more cat-like. Okay. Right? He looks like he looks made up, but it looks convincing or persuasive and... Him drinking out of the bowl was. <laughs> There's a really long shot. Motherfucker went for it. Yeah, so he, that's cool. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's like, yeah, drinking milk out of a bowl with was his it milk? Tongue. It looked like water, but okay, could have been. Yeah, I don't but, know. But he's lapping it. And, yeah, and he's going for it. He's going for it like like when he played that uh, secret Nazi and at pupil. He uh-huh. is going for it, and it's and it's just it, it's it's the. I don't know if you call it irony, but there's just, there's a lot of levels, mm-hmm. right? When you're looking at an old actor. Yeah. I would never say that and Ian a veteran, McKellen is. A veteran theater actor. A, a veteran theater it, yeah. actor, right? Like, 
an icon of the modern era and as far back yeah. as at pupil and star Richard of III. stage and screen right and 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 so there's a lot of levels right and yeah i would never assume that mckellen was on his way out i mean really every day i see him on twitter i think he's more vital and necessary <laughs> than ever right but uh he's there's a lot of real in all of that fantasy and i was yeah i was moved and it it never rang false or weird or strange or alienating. It was just, and we'll come back to this idea. I hope later. I can't imagine how we would miss it because this is like why I think Cats is the most important film of the last five years, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it, that's why I say it's like it, you know it's the stupid thing to say is that Cats is really about people, but nevertheless, the smart thing to say is Cats is very much about people. <laughs> and yeah, you you're just watching McKellen talking about himself, a little bit outside of himself. Yeah, but never, like, you're talking about going old and obsolescence and being left behind and just very real fears and very real successes and dramas and and, and it's good. And yeah. And frankly, I think he got robbed by uh, Grisbella, <laughs> but that's that's just me. <laughs> that may yeah, that but, may be uh, fair. Yeah, but he but he was great and there was just one little magic moment for Mistopheles to succeed. Yeah, that's right. right? He gives him like a cue. He like uh he like takes out his magic wand and makes him like fake thunder and lightning to yeah, and heighten just, the performance. Yeah, and and, yeah. and and there's like just there's like just so much like a sense of victory there, right? Like, I mean, it's like right up there with like Luke turning off his targeting computer. It's just <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's exquisite and it's very limited and restrained. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no flashbacks, right? We don't see Gus circling around. It's all just a story told by an old man. Yeah. And it's just a guy on stage, just just a monologue, right? Yeah. It's, it's Well, I think it's like it was magical just to, just to see that reverence for Well, I think part of it is and I go back to what I said at the start of this is that the way that this movie just exudes sincerity, right? Like mm. I be, as you said, I believe there's something real and authentic going on inside Ian McKellen's head that is just coming through the screen. You can hear the gears. Yeah. Like the but I believe catching. but I believe also God, I got chills right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe just as much that the attitude that the other cats in the movie have to towards his character, towards Gus, is that feels real and authentic too. Oh, when they're right, they're all just yeah. They, 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 and, yeah. They're all just in rapt attention while he's singing the song about well, is, his yeah. glory days. Well, we're built into it because and there's they, a moment where, the, where this just reaches its perfect apotheosis. Well, go ahead. Well, no, 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 no. We have to finish Gus because we have to. Oh, keep, okay. We have to. Yeah, but we that's have it. to follow because Hooper did a really good job. With this. They're all just yeah, like well, they, yeah, like he's introduced when Mister Mistopheles says like Gus, it's your call, right? And he's. Mm. It's like, oh, are you nervous? Like, oh, no, it's all practice, practice, practice. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, like, Judy Dench is like, they all, like, want him to succeed, like, yeah. so much. Like, they're all so endeared to him. Well, even there, you can hear that, like, it, like both things are true. Mm. Right? That, like, he's lying. Yes. And, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, of course, it's the theater. It's all just. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh yeah, I could go on about Gus forever. So let me know when you're ready to move on. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here all night otherwise. <laughs> uh, Skimbleshanks, the oh, railway okay. cat, the cat of the railway train. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is our first. There's a lot of magic here. 
Yeah. Because this is a tap number, which I don't remember from the musical. It's not. I think that's in there because the uh, McRae, because the dancer they cast is is a tap dancer and a, okay. a ballerina. Um, if you have not seen him in a nude, I strongly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, uh, is Lenny it Stephen McRae. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, Lynch. but not that not that Stephen McRae. The other Stephen McRae, because <laughs> there's another one that's just like a hideous goblin. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Stephen McRae. Yeah, look like yeah. Lenny Riefenstahl is swooning from the grave. <laughs> ah, good lord. Yeah, check out this guy's Instagram if you want to see just an Adonis of a human being that yeah. is probably mostly going to be known for a cat in uh, red overalls with like a <laughs> train conductor's cap. Yeah. I mean, Skimbleshanks like there's not a lot of subtext to him, unlike some of our other cats. Well, I think part of the subtext is that we do bring back the uh, gross murder of mice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, yeah, that's running through the whole movie is that the uh, there's a lot of mice like almost getting eaten. Right. And then mm-hmm. uh, being saved at the last moment due to the just capriciousness of the cats, mm-hmm. which is a very cat like thing. Well, a mouse totally gets murdered during Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. That's it. Yeah, there's like a conga line or a procession. One of them gets snatched. It may have been Jenny, but yeah, one of them is totally eaten. Jenny eats a cockroach on screen. I am certain I've seen two mice eaten. Okay, maybe. I feel like one one definitely like runs away and is narrowly <laughs> saved during okay. Skimbleshanks' number. I don't, maybe, I don't remember. But yeah, Skimbleshanks is very little subtext. He's a cat that like hangs out at the rail yard and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so important to the operation that the yeah. train will leave late. If not, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I want to return uh, to the concept earlier about, like, what could most of these cats possibly want with a new life of their choosing when mm-hmm. most of their lives seem pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, at first glance. Not even just Kush, like, great. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds like Skimbleshank. These cats are all life. living their best lives. Yes. But uh, so my question that I will pause, put to you is mm-hmm. are the cats obligated to come back from the heavy side layer as a cat or could it literally be any life? Oh, I had not considered that. My understanding is that they have to come back as a cat. Okay. So I feel like, like, like Gus would just I mean, ask to do it all over again. Yeah. But well, yeah. it's not, it's not clear. That's just sort of assumed. Okay. But we're never told that. Right. Yeah. But I feel like their, their condemnation or their, uh, I don't know, violent recoil at the idea of a cat being a dog. Yeah. Leads me to believe that they are speciesist, for lack of a better well, word. Well, there's a, there's a line in the opening number okay. about, let me look it up, actually. Yeah, here it is. The mystical divinity of unashamed felinity. Mm-hmm. Feline, fearless, faithful, and true. Life to the everlasting cat. Okay. So, yeah, I, I guess there is a... Uh, a certain preference for being a cat. <laughs> they all seem like feline supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I bring that up because uh, to the point of why would most of these cats want a new life? The only thing I can be, I can imagine being better from Skimbleshank's point of view than his current life is actually getting to be the conductor of a train, <laughs> which okay. would necess- necessitate rebirth. In human form. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So that's my that's just my hypothesis about okay. why uh, Skimbleshanks is competing to be the Jellicle choice. Because, yeah, otherwise, his life is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. 
All right, are we ready to move on from Skimbleshanks? Uh, yeah. I mean, plot-wise, at this point, he spins into the air and is disapparated by McCavity. By McCavity, <laughs> yes. And this is, uh, this is McCavity's big number, right? Yeah. Okay. Sung, for the most part, not by McCavity himself, but by uh, Taylor Swift as Bombalarina. Honestly, I think that is pretty true to form. Mm. I feel like that uh, even in a 98 release, McCavity's song was by some yeah. McCavity hype woman. Yeah. Or gun mall. Yeah. Is really the term that comes to mind here. But uh, she was perfect. Uh, transparent. Never would have guessed in a million years, Taylor Swift. Her number is great. I mean, McCavity is a bop. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great song. Perfect about- casting. Idris Elba, if you didn't know. Yeah, Idris Elba is McCavity. Um, yeah, but his song is uh, is basically just yeah, what a huge piece of shit he is. Mm-hmm. Not like not unlike uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, but he's, for a given value, a piece of shit. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if there's a cat that's you know completely confounded Scotland Yard, and that's a good cat in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, monster of depravity, the Napoleon of crime. Yeah. I know what that's from, right? What? It's Moriarty. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so she sings a song about how awesome McCavity is while uh, bewitching the entirety of the Jellicle clan with uh, catnip. Yeah, it's like a Coke binge or something. <laughs> yeah, you're, just, you're just seating the entire room. Yeah, like something out of like MK Ultra. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, pumping drugs um, into the vents. So this enables. Uh, McCavity to, I guess, disappear the last of the contenders, leaving mm-hmm. him as the the obvious and only Jellicle choice for old Deuteronomy, who yep. I guess is able to break his spell or see through him. Mm-hmm. And he responds by also kidnapping her. Yeah, I mean, she's, I'm not sure what this means any deeper than what it already, like, than maybe on its face. She said, like, he will never be the Jellicle choice, mm-hmm. which is just. Well, that's got to kind of suck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we only got nine lives more to get yeah. this jellico shit in action. Yeah. yeah. So how does that work? Do some cats die and never become the jellico choice? Yeah, most cats, in fact. Okay. I gather, right? Okay. It's one per year. All right. But then, like we established, maybe there's a little jellico community in every city or town or... Okay. Yeah, hard to say. All right, all right. But... This sets the stage, Old Deuteronomy's disappearance sets the stage for what is, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. the standout number one best musical number and best moment in this entire film. Yeah, maybe the best moment in a decade, but yeah, let's (laughs) let's get to it. The magical Mr. Mistopheles. Yes. (laughs) Yes. More, please. Yeah. So, So here again, this is... It's such a great adaptation because it adds an entire subtext to the song and the character that is just not present in the stage play. Mm-hmm. Because in the stage play, the song is sung by, I think, the Rum Tum Tugger. And really, it's just get a load of this magical ass cat. Yeah, well, it's never told with anything other than utter credulity. Mm. I mean, I feel like the subtext is that me as a human should know, well, he's not magical. He's just a fucking cat, right? <laughs> like, cats can just can just do this, right? They aren't, yeah, it's not magic. He's just a cat. Yeah. But this one takes that in a different direction, which is that 
Yeah. So, well, so in the film, we've already established uh, Mr. Mistopheles is kind of an oaf. Well, he's constantly trying to do tricks, mm-hmm. like with cards and wands and stuff. And some of them are obvious failures, but nevertheless re- reveal some capacity for trickery. <laughs> right. But uh, but they're all tricks. They aren't magic, right? It's like right. you can pick a card or right. proffer a uh, bouquet of flowers. But, uh, yeah, they're all tricks. They aren't real magic. Right. But uh, um, but in the film, the disappearance of old Deuteronomy prompts Victoria to yeah. suggest that the magical Mr. Mistopheles can use magic to bring her back. Yeah. And he is not up to the task. Yeah. Well, not even, like, spiritually. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> you've got the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could have. They, it would have gone like over the top, like comedically, if he tried to turn and run, and they had to restrain him, right? <laughs> like bring him back to the cat bed, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's almost on that level, and so all the cats gather together and sing. Never was there ever a cat so clever as magical Mister Mistopheles. Well, yeah. Well, the first, I guess, the first version of that is is, is to tell the story in earnest. Mm-hmm. And then Mistopheles, I guess, kind of goes, yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm kind of magical because sometimes my <laughs> owner hears me on the roof and I'm actually by the fire. Right. Other times my owner hears me by the fire, but I'm actually on the roof. Right. Right. But yeah, that, that's just cat shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, but after a while, everyone yeah. else like. But even that line yeah, is given yeah. is given a subtext through the actor's performance that just isn't there in the stage play. Right. Because mm. uh, I think the line is like at least everyone heard that somebody purred, which is incontestable proof (laughs) (laughs) yeah right Right. and again like that's there 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 is none of that that's that's just a straightforward statement of fact as as far as the stage play is concerned Mm. right like that's a boast in the stage play but here it's played as evidence of his uh reticence and lack of self-confidence yeah and this reinterpretation creates like real stakes Mm. Like like maybe he won't pull it off. Yeah, well, maybe it's, it's, he will pull it off. It's or... it's the clap for Tinkerbell moment. That yeah, you mentioned, yeah, exactly. right. That's what it is. Yeah, every verse we get, never was there ever anyone so clever as magical Mister Mistopheles. Yeah, and he points his wand at Judy Dench's cat bed, and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So they all get together again. Never was there ever a cat so clever as magical Mister Mistopheles. Yeah. and again and again he tries and fails, and then. Victoria again, like mm-hmm. she sings the solo verse. Yeah, and never was there ever a cat so clever as magical Mister Mistopheles. And he he points his wand at the cat bed again, and nothing happens. Or does it? <laughs> because then, from the background, you hear <laughs> Judy Dench, yeah. Old Deuteronomy, <laughs> softly singing. Never was there ever a cat so clever. As magical Mr. Mistopheles. And all the cats turn around and Judy Dench is there because he's done it. By God. All he had to do is believe in himself. By God. Is that old Deuteronomy's music? I have to go back a little bit. Just Victoria's face is like the only face in this frame. And her eyes are just so big and brown and wet. (laughs) And you can just... There's a lot of acting going on. It is. There. It's so. It's not yeah. acting. It's. It, it is. This movie is so sincere. Well, maybe that's it. But like, all I believe. Like is... I, I. I am. I was like so 100% bought into every single emotional beat mm-hmm. in this movie. Okay. Like, and I cheered when Mr. Mistopheles succeeded. Maybe for the first time ever in his life. Like <laughs> I was. Did he find it? 
Well, it rules. Whatever happens there, it rules. Because you, you just you're, you're watching her. Yeah, just like believe this thing so fucking hard, yeah. <laughs> and it and and it's bending reality on screen, <laughs> and it's bending reality in my mind. Right, like that all things are possible. Yes. <laughs> like magic is real, <laughs> and it's 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 fucking awesome. There's yeah. just there's no, there's no other word for it. And it's just, yeah, what's the earnestness? Again, because well, they have to know on some level they're performing, right? Yeah. But, yeah, it's it, it's all just, it's sold is the only, is really the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Here, is that, is, is, it's pushed on me with such aggression <laughs> that, uh, yeah, uh, you, you get, I got wrapped up in it, wound up in it, wrapped up in it. Yeah. I was, I was taken along. Yeah. It's uh, swept off my feet, seduced, <laughs> you might even say. But uh, yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, and again, it's 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 just like her, her sort of uh, getting just thrown into the middle of of the Jellicle world, mm-hmm. right? Which changes their society, right? It's mm-hmm. like like no one else believed in Mister Mistopheles because they've seen his tricks, right? Have you met Mister Mistopheles? <laughs> <laughs> this incel cuck with his pack of cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just her maybe naivety, right? That that allows her to see something in him that they can't, or that they they've become too jaded and cynical to see. Yeah. Well, she's the perfect. Oh, audience. I'm tying it back to the canvassing from the beginning. This is great. Yeah. She's she's the perfect audience surrogate. Yeah. Right? She's the perfect avatar for me, right? <laughs> to come outside and maybe a little skeptical or at least uninformed, but again right. to Yeah, to hear the promise and then deliver on the promise, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that that things can change and you can change them. I can change them. <laughs> Magical Mr. Mistopheles can change them. Yeah, but only with my help. But yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Generally speaking, that is the that is the case. So from here, I wouldn't say it's downhill, but it's it's a lot of well, no, not at wrapping all. things up. Well, no, because now it's memory, the most famous musical piece from Cats. Is that now? Yeah, I thought the Jailbreak was now. Uh, yeah, but that well, okay, yeah, all the other cats free themselves from the barge on the River Thames because they have to. I guess they have to. Yeah, (laughs) can't just leave them there forever. That's just sort of a perfunctory thing. Yeah, Growl Tiger winds up in the Thames. Yeah, if you haven't heard, Growl Tiger's there. Played uh, by Ray Winstone. The utterly recognizable Ray Winstone. <laughs> With the same world really resignation as when he put that 357 under his chin with his car on fire and just said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but never let me th- let you think that Ray Winstone was a quitter in this film. It's just that same just conviction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Skimble Shanks is back. Buster for Jones is back. Uh, yeah, Jenny they, is back. They all escape. Yeah, they yeah. all escape. <laughs> but yeah, the last big, really musical number of the movie is "Memory," mm-hmm. uh, which is a reprise of Grizabella's song. And uh, yeah, Victoria goes out into the street and invites her into the Jellicle mm-hmm. clan to sing her song before Deuteronomy. And yep. yeah, and it's a song about regret and loss and. Lessons learned. Lessons learned and despair, right? And but and fervent hope mm-hmm. in the possibility of a better life. 
Uh, and the cats are so moved that she is selected as the Jellicle choice. Yeah. And is sent in a chandelier up to the heavy side layer mm-hmm. to have a chance at redemption. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the qualifications are because I know they're arbitrary and inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But do we know if Hudson was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress? Uh, I, I think the... <sighs> I think the stain of this movie is <laughs> so not a nod for best supporting or best actress just just nothing at all just ignored <laughs> left to wander the streets <laughs> in the cold <laughs> I mean let's see but uh I mean I know they specifically withdrew uh beautiful ghosts from Oscar consideration for best song that's a good point it, it is in some cases what you campaign for and not what they let you in for yeah here's a story cats pulled from universal's award season website oh universal was the uh mm-hmm. production house that's that's um, tragic <laughs> that's terrible beautiful ghost was nominated for a golden globe the only recognition from the globes that the film received fuck the song didn't even make the shortlist for a nomination at the Academy Awards. The movie, oh, that's bullshit. The movie, however, did make the Oscar shortlist in, of all things, the category of visual effects. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, that's a shame. Because, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. There are some genuinely good performances in this. Not some some top-tier Oscar-worthy. Not even, like, just an honor to be nominated. Like right. I think we established in that previous episode that there wasn't a whole lot of uh, things that we saw, but I, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Backed away from like a scalded cat. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's interesting because like I heard one critic in particular saying like the way that Hooper frames and shoots memory is, I guess, similar to what he did with Anne Hathaway in uh in his version of Les Miserables, which I haven't seen, mm-hmm. but which I know is famous for him, like holding on this close up of her throughout the song while she's having an emotional breakdown. Yeah. Right. Which is what he does with Jennifer Hudson in memory. Mm-hmm. Three um, times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the, the critics complaint about this or criticism about this was that in two on the nose. <laughs> well, no, that in Les Miserables, you're dealing with a human being and in his opinion, in Cats, the the digital effects impede any possible human emotional connection you could attain. That's fucking stupid. All I it's could wrong. see was Jennifer just, Hudson. Yeah, it's straightforwardly wrong. Yeah, I saw I don't her know, in makeup. I don't know what, what the fuck say. does that mean. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that guy's a sociopath. I don't know yeah, what I to could tell be. you. Yeah, yeah. This or, eye patch removes. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, what the fuck are I don't you know what to tell. All I could see was people in it. That was part of the problem. But I have to. Well, <laughs> I just have to assume that this uncanny valley thing is doing something to people's brains. But there was nothing particularly that, uncanny about her makeup. I didn't think hers so was like as know, good yeah. as Gus's and as good yeah. as uh, Deuteronomy's, and it was really Victoria's and Monka's truck. The, the Truckosaurus, or whatever his name is, but like those were, looked like looked terrible. But fortunately, they had the option of 
delivering on volume and dance and yeah. movement and other things. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel that this way. This feels That's like all bullshit. I can say. Yeah. <laughs> It feels like you just forgot cats. <laughs> I really do feel like there's this bandwagoning effect where mm. people just want to be popular, right? I guess. That's like the cool thing to do is to talk about what dog shit cats is. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, I don't buy it at all. I was, I was wholly on board with like, like throughout the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. like I bought into every emotional beat that it wanted me to buy into every single one. Yeah. Even the ones I could like see coming that I would resist normally. Right. Well, they just would telegraph shit. Right. Nevertheless, when it landed, you know, it hit like a fucking atom bomb. It was just Hudson ruled. Yeah. I don't know how you not. And in actually, in a, in a way that's like actually beyond being, authentic and and just yeah like soul searing mm-hmm. right in a way that's like and I, I i know how just cliched and almost gross it sounds to say this but in a way that is to some degree like genuinely brave right because actors at that level are incredibly image conscious mm-hmm. right and she allows herself to be filmed with like just snot pouring out of her nose well you can see right? hudson's transformation since dream girls till now mm-hmm. right the Hollywood lathe has, you know, abraded her into, I guess, what is considered, I guess, at this point, a conventional or tolerable standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. And and that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But, yeah, yeah, it's a snotty, wet per- – there's a lot of tears on this screen. Yeah. And, and they feel real and correct and right. But, yeah, yeah. she is she is dissolving. Right? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, like, not even really singing anymore, just mm-hmm. just weeping Bitter, bitter tears. Yeah, nevertheless, with a musical quality. But yeah, she, she, whenever she's not singing, she's acting. And when she's singing, it's, yeah, she's throwing knives at you. And it's ugh, depressing, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Just sad. What the the lack travesty of recognition? La- well, this will be one. Well, this will be one of the ones that were missed. You know? Yeah. These happen every decade. I'm not going to do the list right now. But you know, there's ones that are overlooked. Like, uh, well, like all of the Lord of the Rings shit, right? Like, only Return of the King gets recognition because of the overall achievement, right. for lack of it. Right. Is, is, the, is what they say or whatever, right? And, and that's fair. He deserved an Oscar. He put in that fucking work. But I don't know, there were parts of the other movies that deserved sure. <laughs> whatever. I mean, if anything, I'd... I haven't watched them in a long time, and I might have to reevaluate. But looking back, Fellowship might even be the best film out of that trilogy. Yeah, if you haven't seen Cats yet, it's the kind of like ridiculousness of like uh, Gimli, like almost (laughs) on the verge of tears on that canoe ride away from Lothlorien, (laughs) where he has met the most beautiful woman that he has ever met, more beautiful than he could have possibly imagined, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like. Both like at at the most maximal feeling of happiness and also grief, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think the story of the three hairs is, is from the extended cut, mm. but it's it's this kind of just like exquisite, ridiculous fantasy. <laughs> Nevertheless, just you know, <laughs> being sold so effectively and earnestly and movingly. Because if you don't remember, Gimli's a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Just a huge beard and a yeah. giant battle axe. So, yeah, so Grisbelda uh, ascends to the heavy side layer. 
McCavity maybe doesn't get what's coming to him, but winds up in a very cat-like <laughs> predicament. <laughs> predicament. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. like uh, he's like trapped on the hat on the head of the statue of Lord Nelson in Trafalgar Square, isn't he? I don't know if I recognize the statue, but yeah, he's he's trapped. Yeah, basically on an incredibly high height. And, and, and it's, it's a very cat-like ending because it's always like, well, how did the fuck the cat get up there? And if he could get up there, why can't he get back down? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's the perfect ending yeah. for a villain. We haven't talked a lot about Id- Idris Elba, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's doing, I think without a doubt, the campiest performance in the movie. Yeah, he definitely understands and knows what he's a part of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And... Uh, that also feels brave to me in its own way. <laughs> and well, I have to I th- respect it. Well, I, I think a lot of like camp has been has been lost as an art. Mm. You don't get a lot of camp anymore, I don't think. I mean, part of that's because you know John Waters is just one guy, uh-huh. and uh, no, I think the other part is you just, you just can't sell it because like Buckaroo Banzai is campy. Uh, Star Wars was campy. Sure. Before it became whatever this is now. Yeah. Uh, well, I think four is very campy, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Maybe not. All right. Maybe I'll have to work on this idea a little bit longer before I offend you. No, I'm not. But, I'm, uh, I just I have to think about it. I don't. Okay. I'm not not rejecting it. I'm just not convinced either. Mm-hmm. I think I see what you mean. Like I think like a lot of like what succeeds about the Mandalorian is its camp. But I don't consider it a campy work. No, mm. well, I think. Well, let's. I don't want to derail this into a whole conversation yeah. about the Mandalorian, but it's it's so tonally inconsistent and all over the place that it's like, yeah, sometimes it's campy and sometimes it's way too self serious, and <laughs> yeah. it's just the mess, folks. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that ends the story of cats. So I guess we'll save knives out for another episode. I think we should. I think that's worthy um, of its whole thing. Yeah, but Knives Out is also very good. Yeah, it's a great movie. Mm. Outstanding. And almost incomprehensible to me that the same guy who wrote that movie wrote Star Wars The Last Jedi. No, you just have to think of all the evil, immense forces uh, arrayed against him (laughs) that he was able to walk away with that. Maybe so, yeah. Yeah, when no one's in his way, you get Knives Out. When he's going against Disney... Which basically has like all of the power of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle he managed to escape with what he did. Yeah, so if we're done with the the plot of Cats, I think, well, definitely the last thing I have to say about it is that you should go see this in a movie theater right away. No one else will be there. No one can see you cry. <laughs> Big baby. Big blah, blah, baby. <laughs> But more importantly, this will be your last chance (laughs) to see something in a movie theater that is not perfectly anodyne, pat, cynical, focus-grouped, corporate schlock ever again in your life. Yeah, I don't don't know. I've said this before, but I don't know when this will come out and when you'll hear it again. Yeah, but this will be the last movie made by humans before the Warner AI. <laughs> thank you for thank you for bringing that up. Destroys us all. <laughs> because if you haven't heard, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Warner has basically surrendered to the powers of Skynet and Osimo <laughs> to uh, des- design your movies from here on out. Yeah. So this is from The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, boy. Warner Brothers has made a pact with Synalytic to use its project <laughs> management system that was launched last year. A product of McKinsey and Associates. <laughs> Under the new deal, Warners will will leverage the system's comprehensive data and predictive analytics to guide decision-making at the green light stage. The integrated online platform can assess the value of a star in any territory and how much a film is expected to make in theaters and on other ancillary streams. (laughs) Founded four years ago by... oh. Get a load of this name. Tobias Quessier. Quessier? Q U E Okay. <laughs> this is a Batman villain. Synalytic has been building and beta testing the platform for three years. Uh, Twenty raised two point twenty five million from such and such. Pops. While the platform won't necessarily predict what will be the next billion-dollar surprise, like Warner's hit Joker, it will (laughs) reduce the amount of time executives spend on low-value repetitive tasks and instead give them better dollar-figure parameters for packaging, marketing, and distribution decisions, including release dates. Oh, my God. This just reads like ad copy for this horrifying... Well, I've been on the other side of that article. Mm. At some point, you've got to figure out... The platform is particularly helpful in the festival setting where studios get caught in bidding wars and plunk down massive sums after only hours of assessment, as happened in New Line's $15 million acquisition of Blinded by the Light in last year's Sundance Film Festival. The Synalytic AI's insight might also have altered decision-making on some of Warner's misfires from 2019, such as The Kitchen, Shaft, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Okay. The system can calculate in seconds what used to take <laughs> days to assess by a human when it comes to general film package evaluation or a star's worth says Quessier Cavassier adds Tonis Keys Senior VP of Distribution we make tough decisions every day that affect what and how we produce and deliver films to theater around the world and the more precise our data is the better we will be able to engage our audiences this just ends with everyone in the audience being gassed to death <laughs> Until they get the consumer they want. That's where this, that's, that's where this ends. I saw this in uh, Terminator Salvation. Just, <laughs> just huge concentration camps for moviegoers. Yeah, Hollywood fancies itself mm-hmm. as a town that operates on gut instinct rather than algorithms, for better or worse. And unlike Silicon Valley, the industry has been slow to use AI for more menial tasks like script breakdowns, fearful that it will take away jobs and make humans obsolete. Quessier counters that narrative. Artificial intelligence sounds scary, but right now, an AI cannot make any creative decisions, says Quessier. Only destructive. (laughs) (laughs) What it is good at is crunching numbers and breaking down huge data sets and showing patterns that would not be visible to humans. But for creative decision-making, you still need experience and gut instinct. But for how long? I I added that last part. (laughs) You know that's the subtext. Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck does that even mean? It means... We'll never get another Cats. Right? Okay, that, that's probably true. Yeah, this is your last chance. Like we said, it's all Avengers Endgame and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker over and over and over again. What from a now huge time saver. Until the day you die. <laughs> Those are the movies you are allowed to watch from now on. Oh, boy. So go see Cats. Have the full theatrical viewing experience that Cats deserves. I would say demands. <laughs> 
and appreciate it for what it is. Even if you don't like it, appreciate the fact that you were allowed to see something that was novel and interesting and bizarre and imaginative. The last act of heroism in Hollywood. (laughs) This is, for all of its flaws, basically like the last battle from The Last Samurai. Right? (laughs) This is... Yeah, this is that charge into the machine guns for no other point than, you know, just glory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's a great movie. Like, it's, yeah. It's unironically yeah. a great movie. Yeah, I have. Yeah, there's nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, uh, it's great. Big fan. Would do again. <laughs> uh, yes. Are we done? Uh. Yeah, because we definitely overpromised and underdelivered, which is our <laughs> brand, I think. So yeah, that's that's we'll have updates and new notes from the campaign trail as they emerge. Because uh, we're here till the caucus, if we didn't say. Yeah, it's gonna be. So I look forward to describing the uh, peculiar horrors and terrors of that. Yeah, it's gonna be. Are some... you a jellical so... caucus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I mean, it's hard to look through the narrow window of experience that we have from talking to individual people at their doors Mm. and to compare it to the polls, which are very favorable for Sanders at the moment. Uh, I don't want to, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't want to get my hopes up, but we're just, you know. Bernie is cats. Cats is Bernie. (laughs) These are your last best hopes for a future. Uh, Honestly, yeah, that's probably (laughs) the correct... That's the way to wrap it all up and put a little bow on it, isn't there it? There you go. Just like uh, all these people who are delighting in their hatred of cats and just like all these people who I talk to on the phone who are just given over to cynicism and despair, mm-hmm. uh, take a chance on cats and mm-hmm. on Bernie. <laughs> you know, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Knock, uh, knock on some doors if you're in Iowa or another early state. Or uh, come to Iowa. It was only a two-day drive. <laughs> yeah. To the middle of America. So yeah. how far away could you be? Um, yeah. Well, except for that guy in Wasilla. You can stay. Phone bank, caucus, <laughs> vote. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, exactly. It's been so